Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Sunday, February 6th. And today we are continuing with our interview with Jeff Bacalar. Jeff is a gaming expert and he's head of content development and strategy at Giant Bomb, which is a great gaming site. And uh, I know Jeff for a long time when he was at CNET and was hosting a podcast and teaching me about everything technology and gaming, etc. Well, as it turns out, because of gaming sort of being at the center of so many technological innovations, I thought Jeff would be the perfect person to come on the air with us and talk about gaming and the metaverse. We did that yesterday, but today we're going to go into Web 3.0 and everyone's favorite topic, blockchain. Here is the second part of our interview with Jeff Bacalar. What is it that we need to know about when people say Web 3.0? What was Web 1.0? I get that. That's the beginning. Sure. 2.0 is like, okay, Facebook, Google, like they control the internet basically, Yeah, right? 2.0 was like, hey, we could put buttons on sites now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could put like, you know, flashy, we can have like nice uh, styling and sort of consistent uh, packaging of a, of a, of a site and three. And but wait, and also 2.0 is that like, we can kind of harness all of this, these disparate pieces, you know, with these like weirdo protocols and like sort of bring it together and create a more cohesive experience for the person, for the user. Is right. that fair? Yes. Two, okay. two, two was like, hey, we can put products on the internet. And okay. when I say a product, like a service, right? Like eBay, we can make an eBay work. We can make a YouTube work. We can make an Amazon work on this thing and people can spend money. And now, uh, you know, we have a, a an economy there. Three enters the world of blockchain and cryptocurrencies and tries to find a common ground with coexisting with all of these technologies and making the web a much more automated and productive place. But the way it's also been described to me when we talk about 3.0 and we talk about, say, you know, using the example of like, let's use blockchain, the technology that powers this idea that you don't have to have sort of a middleman. Is that Mm -hmm. fair to say? I think a lot of the default catch all explanations for web three is a sort of, I mean, look, the, the, the blockchain stuff uh, gets brought up a lot with web 3.0 because it's, it's the trust in that technology being the driving force for a decentralized kind of internet. 
I, I personally, I don't think that's ever a truly achievable thing, but that is the spirit of what people are describing when they talk about Web3. Yeah. And they also say that, you know, they use this term DeFi, which mm-hmm. is decentralized finance protocols. Mm-hmm. Right. And they say, oh, isn't it great? Like now we can like just move money between us. The The Internet is this big, huge printing press and there's going to be more. <laughs> you're going to really know who owns what. And then I read an article today in The Wall Street Journal headline, DeFi increasingly popular tool for laundering money, study finds. Look, to be fair, yes, I, I agree with that criticism. To be fair, so is cash. Uh, Absolutely. But that's right. why you can't go into a bank and say, you know, that's why a bank has to report with, if you want to take more than $10,000 in or out of a bank. Absolutely. We're still in the very much wild west of this uh, of this moment. Uh, and, and I don't you know, claim to be a hyper pro crypto person uh, either way. I do think blockchain technology in, in a vacuum, I think it is impressive stuff and I think it's important the way it's sort of being used right now and the the kind of things that it gets, let's just say, swept up in feels like a much more temporary smash and grab, almost, you know, pyramid scheme than what I think blockchain will inevitably be uh, successfully used for. What is it going to be successfully used for? For real? I think what is attractive and interesting and intriguing about blockchain is the idea of having some kind of open source ledger for ownership and for tracking things on the internet. I think that is the most provocative aspect of it. Like the fact that you can somehow have this bulletproof, unhackable ledger uh, that tracks uh, transactions uh, and, and whatever you want to apply that technology to to me, seems like a valuable thing to have on the internet. The way it's been used right now seems a little superficial. I think the the potential for it, when it really starts to get used in a truly meaningful way, uh, will democratize a lot of information and value. Without a doubt, in my opinion, blockchain is a part of our internet future. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we have to get out of the sort of growing pains moment that we're in right now. Remember, Joe, blockchain, it's like uh, going to a library, opening up the book and checking out the library card and seeing everybody who took out that book. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's that's a perfectly fine way to describe it. So who is the guy who is that, Dan, who, who gave us that analogy? Yeah, Dan Roberts. So, I mean, I think it's moved beyond the opening up the back of the book. I think that that really what has happened is what's the problem with the Internet right now? I mean, I don't really care about the HTTP, the the like. That's why I don't care about like the technology powering the the problem. It's a printing press. Like you can copy anything. I was going to say the problem with the internet is that it has basically allowed information and newsmakers to become completely sort of like run amok and completely, you know, influence a huge population of people. Uh, based off of like disinformation and stuff that is simply not true. 
Well, okay, but blockchain's not going to solve the problem of well, disinformation, is it? Maybe. Uh, How look, so? Here's the thing: we might be too far gone. Number one, because That's what I, think, I think, yeah, I think uh, we let. I think Pandora's box has been open for for a, a little too long, where there's no kind of stuffing it back in. But the idea where blockchain could help is if if anyone is left that cares about a reliable source, you know, that is something I think blockchain could have an impact on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get that, but I I don't hold a lot of hope for that. I really sure, don't. sure, because because again, that will probably not be the most lucrative use of it. Exactly. And, and when it comes to how can we turn this into uh, revenue, uh, you know, having a a a sort of like bulletproof source, uh, using it as a bulletproof sourcing mechanism, maybe not the way it gets implemented uh, in a meaningful way. Right. I mean, because I sort of think like the problem, like if you're a musician, if you're a writer, if you're, you know, trying to track down who owns this asset, you know, that that that's the part that I think that having a way to specify who owns what and like technologically we can do that. I kind of get that. But I don't get that, like, first of all, I think it's completely, it's such garbage that the people who are like the crypto cheerleaders are all like, oh, there's going to be no middleman. But there's, of course, there's going to be a middleman because that's how they're going to make money. So someone's going to control that. So I don't buy that there's going to be no middleman. There was no middleman from, you know, whatever, 1985 to 1994, let's say. And then all the men and women got in there, right? It does seem to be a supremely ambitious take that there will somehow never be intervention in any way or form. I I don't know. You, you, the huge pillars of world commerce would have to shift dramatically for that for there to be an allowment of that sort of uh, exactly sh- change. I so, don't think in our lifetime. No, I, mean, I don't I th- know. Yeah, and I get your and I get your point that you know it would be nice if you didn't have the people out there who were unwilling to take responsibility for the Frankenstein monsters they created. Hello, Mark Zuckerberg. But, you know, that's just where, you know, that is where we are. So do you feel like there's any chance that this iteration of Web 3.0 could potentially change some of that or not? Uh, Out of the gate, no. I, I think like everything, it takes a really long time. You know, right now, it seems like some of the worst actors are at the helm. The idea that decentralization is somehow this, you know, uh, freeing up of of everything, it, it's just, it's it's sort of not, it's not this airtight sort of pitch. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to take a lot of figuring out before it is used in a way that pushes the progress in the right direction. So, you know, there's a there is so much chest pounding and so much emotional investment and monetary investment in what the possibilities are for technologies like blockchain that it's tough to see how it somehow just all falls into place hmm. out of the gate. Yeah, uh, it's just not what we're seeing yet. But again, it is it is so nascent. It is so new. I, I'm I'm still sort of on the fence about it. I'm not on the fence about it being a part of Web three and the future of the internet. It will absolutely will be. Mm-hmm. Does it have a positive effect? I think I'm still in the middle on. God bless you, Mark. Do you have any questions for Jeff while he's with us before he has to go and be a gaming professional? 
Gaming uh, addiction and, and screen time is a very real thing. How do you deal with that with your own son? You know, a lot of it is just being very aware of like what your child is doing. You know, you have, it's it. Uh, there are you know automated mechanisms in place that you can take advantage of. You know, all the console makers have tools that let you limit screen time and do that sort of stuff. But it has to be an interactive thing. You have to take control and and learn about what they are doing. It's never been easier to kind of automate that process, but at the same time, there's there's definitely a responsibility to sort of, you know, step in and 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 kind of say, hey, like this is this is it. I mean, for my son, he he has a, a, a limited amount of time to do it every week. And when he hits that time, you know, he switches to something else and we make sure he does it. So I know that some for some parents that might be you know easier said than done, but that is sort of the you know the the sort of tool set that we've and routine that we've kind of tried to to own and and use in our day to day. Mark, what else? When are we gonna? How is Theo doing in his gaming career so far? You know, as he approaches his third birthday. No, no gaming. I mean, you know, he loves his cartoons. He's got his handful of cartoons that he uh, that are his go to. That's for sure. I don't know. I don't know if video games is really much in his future. I'm not into it. You know, I I think it's all about still striking a balance, right? Like when it's nice enough outside, like we'll, we have to play hockey. Like we know we're, we know we're going to get driveway hockey in at some point and it's finding that kind of balance. I'll say this, you know, I think I have a, a, a slightly controversial take on uh, TV versus video games where I, would almost prefer him to play a game than to watch a show. I know really? that he's learned to read better through playing video games because the games that he wants to play, he has to read. He has to see what people are saying. Could you, you know? possibly do it where he learns how to code? Sure. I mean, look, very basic, even children's games are like the building blocks of coding. Uh, mm. And, you know, they're even, they, I think they do like a, an hour a week in school with basic coding. So, Understanding that language is, is definitely a part of the uh, equation. You know, I, I, I don't mind him watching cartoons and stuff like that, but I would almost rather him play something cerebral to build coordination and sort of, you know, input output kind of reflexes. Okay, that's our weekend. Uh, Jeff Bacalar, you can find all of his stuff over at Red Ventures. Again, the website is Giant Bomb and Jeff is just so smart and so much fun. And we are so grateful that we count him among our friends. If you have a financial question, just go to the website, jillonmoney.com, which I know you've bookmarked. I know you have. Click the Contact Us button, and we will be happy to get you on the air with us, or we'll just answer your question as an email. Don't forget, all the content that lives on Jill on Money is updated all the time. Come check back, bookmark it, do all that stuff, and please lift someone up today. Grit, growth, grace, little gratitude. It's Sunday. Come on. And we thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.